You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. We're going to hit the ground running today. I am Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben. He's the preacher who's a teacher of sanity. Hola. And Ben, you have the privilege, the exciting responsibility, the authority. The You have so many things when it comes to introducing. I mean, I don't even want to say anything more. I want to let you do it. I have a working voice box. You can hear it right now. It's Jacob Insel, pastor who's a master of sanity. Hello, Jake. Hey. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. Thanks. You feel insane today? Am I feeling sane today? Or did I say you feeling insane today? It was hard to tell. You know what? Who cares? You're going to feel sane by the end of this episode. That's right. Because we are going to talk about what we're going to talk about, which is about an ancient mass child sacrifice in Peru was what we wanted to talk about today. This is an article from the National Geographic. I can link to it in the show notes, but what's the gist here? Uh, there was a single event mass ritual murder of 140 kids. They found the grave and were able to kind of piece it all together because of all the kids were all killed the same way at the same time and put in the same place. So Anyhow, it was the thing. They killed a bunch of babies, a bunch of kids, a bunch of little ones, and 140 of them they found. Okay, so... Uh, and it dated roughly 500 years ago, according to whatever you know, archaeological principles they have. So barbaric, there was some barbarism from a long time ago. Why do we want to talk about this today? Well, this is just the usual sort of, hey, demonic child sacrifice is a thing that's always happened and is nothing new. And I dropped it in the Discord for that sort of reason. But then when we were talking about things to talk about, Ben brought up, a book that he has read or has mm, been reading. In the middle of reading. And because, you know, we live in this sort of like crazy tension between what we're not allowed, white man bad, and so the conquistador is bad, native people's good, that sort of, was it Rousseau or whoever, the noble savage. The noble savage, yeah. And then you have things like this that, you know, tend to throw mud in the water of that narrative. Maybe the savage wasn't so noble. In fact, maybe the yeah. word savage is an accurate word. So we brought it up and just were like, uh, is this worth pointing out and worth trying to talk about again? And it was like, I've been reading a book. And so... So you've been reading a book, Ben? I've been reading a book called The Broken Spears. Well, most of it is just selections from the Aztecs' own records of the conquistadors. And some of that, I, I think, I, sorry, I'm not finished with this book yet, but some of that is like through, you know, Spaniards had native informants who, whose accounts they wrote down. And some of that is through the Aztecs' own stuff. And just reading about Aztec civilization and the scale on which they practiced human sacrifice was something. Mm -hmm. It was something. There was a dude, like a political a really powerful politician, basically, who codified a new religion, worshiping the sun god. What's his name? I can't, I can't remember. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huts, Huitzilopochtli. Um, who, and that's, that's the sun, and he needed to be fed human blood. And this, this, this guy basically kept, his, his, his idea for keeping the Aztecs powerful was to keep them in a constant state of war so that they could get human sacrifices. They even had, 
had an ongoing war with like a nearby people who they could have easily conquered because they were super rich, super powerful. They could have conquered, but they didn't. What they wanted was to keep war going so they could always get captives so they could keep sacrificing captives. You can imagine how much those people mm-hmm. hated the Aztecs. Yep. When the conquistadors came, they were like, yes, baby, sign us up. Let's wipe. You, you, I mean, people hated the Aztecs because the Aztecs were just like, we're going to sacrifice. There, there's even some some quote, and I'm not going to be able to pull these like I want, but <laughs> there's some quote like, "All it's literally like all nations are to appear before the sun god. Let's, this is, we're, we're to bring in all the nations, which is a demonic parody of Christianity because, of course, what you want with all the nations is to shed their blood. Right. <laughs> is to kill them. The sun god wants to eat them. And you read about this ancient society and what they were like. <laughs> it is amazing to me. It's amazing to me. And reading, especially reading things that are kind of in their own words, mm-hmm. just how they thought of themselves. But I, I, I don't know what you want. But I'm just going to give you a grab bag of interesting yeah, stuff. Please. Okay, repeat the title for me again. The Broken Spears. The Broken Spears. The Broken Spears. I've rarely found something that's so f- fascinating. I mean, it's it's horrible, but I mean, it, it it reminds me of the experience I had in Belize of seeing some. Oh man, this is terrible. I want to say Mayan ruins. I think Mayan ruins, and standing in the ruins of a place where people were sacrificed, human sacrifices, and and feeling very, very gratified, very happy that this civilization was dead. Mm-hmm. Just like, just just a surge of like anger, just a sense of like, this this is gross. So, so before, okay, l- let, me, let me just read a couple of things because this book recounts a lot of omens they saw, the yeah. Aztecs saw before the Spaniards got there. So the first bad omen. Ten years before the Spaniards first came here, a bad omen appeared in the sky. It was like a flaming ear of corn, or a fiery signal, or the blaze of daybreak. It seemed to bleed fire, drop by drop, like a wound in the sky. It was wide at the base and narrow at the peak, and it shone in the very heart of the heavens. This is how it appeared. It shone in the eastern sky in the middle of the night. It appeared at midnight and burned till the break of day, but vanished at the rising of the sun. The time during which it appeared to us was a full year, beginning in the year Twelve House the name of one of their years. Hmm. When it first appeared, there was great outcry and confusion. The people clapped their hands against their mouths. They were amazed and frightened and asked themselves what it could mean. And it just keeps going through all these bizarre, like, disasters and strange omens that happened uh, to herald the arrival of the Spaniards. And some of these are so weird that you just don't, we don't have a grid for them. I don't, yeah, have, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't have a grid for what I'm I will say the grid hearing. that is, I'm, I'm not subscribing to this but the grid that a lot of people will put on it is the early ufo but sure uh, the aztecs are rich with uh, things that find their way onto those stupid history channel yep. show you know right, ancient yep. aliens and all that right right well th- this my my grid is of course this is these people are sacrificing to demons demons are actual beings that have real power mm-hmm. and there was a shakeup in the heavenlies let's say because all the, that power and all the sacrifice of blood was about to stop. So here's, here's just a couple more. This is like, there's some creepy horror movie stuff in here. But here, I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you the bizarre one. And then I'll tell you the more creepy one. Seventh bad omen, a strange creature was captured in the nets. The men who fished the lakes caught a bird the color of ashes, a bird resembling a crane. 
They brought it to Motekuzoma, so that's Montezuma, but his, they actually, the way you pronounced his name was Motekuzoma, in the Black House, which I think is his palace, the Black House. Mm-hmm. This bird, and this is just, I, I don't know what, what, what can you do with this? This bird wore a strange mirror in the crown of its head. The mirror was pierced in the center like a spindle whorl, hmm. and the night sky could be seen in its face. The hour was noon, but the stars and the mamahuzatli could be seen in the face of that mirror. Motekuzoma took it as a great and bad omen when he saw the stars and the, that other word. But when he looked at the mirror a second time, he saw a distant plain. People were moving across it, spread out in ranks, and coming forward in great haste. They made war against each other and rode on the backs of animals resembling deer. Motekuzoma called for his magicians and wise men and asked them, Can you explain what I have seen? Creatures like human beings running and fighting. But when they looked into the mirror to answer him, all had vanished away, and they saw nothing. <laughs> Another account describes that the bird vanished. And that's, that's, a, that's a repeating theme in these accounts. It's like Motekuzoma will call the magicians and ask them like, Please tell me what's going on. And they'll be like, something, something is happening and you're going to suffer it. We don't know what. And he'll, he'll be like, put him in jail. Then he'll, he'll send his steward back to question them. And the steward will be like, they're gone. The jail is empty and no one saw them leave. And I have guards at the doors and we, we don't know where. where you're just like, what is happening mm. in this place? So here's, here's maybe the creepiest one. It's the last thing I'm going to read about these omens. The sixth wonder was this. The people heard in the night the voice of a weeping woman who sobbed and sighed and drowned herself in her tears. This woman cried, Oh, my sons, we are lost. Or she cried, Oh, my sons, where can I hide you? And that's, so that's one of the antecedents, according to this book, of the La Llorona, the weeping woman mm. legend okay. of Mexico. And that's, it's, it's, it's one of their goddesses. Mm. And you just... I don't know. What it's it's like you're you're butting up against the reality of the power, the religious power of human sacrifice, the reality that a spiritual thing corresponded to everything that they did, which we've said we've talked about that kind of thing before. But it's like you're reading a fairy tale mm-hmm. about people who sacrificed humans. It's like, where did you did you read the Brothers Grimm to make up that bird? No, they didn't read the Brothers Grimm. They were like interacting with the demonic world in a very intense and gross way. It's more like well, when you read, Nebuchadnezzar. When you read, too, about their use of psychedelics mm-hmm. and how intertwined that was with their religious culture and their interaction with the demonic world, it all gets crazier. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, that overlap is real and yeah. deep and deeply demonic. And that's why... Yeah, what we're not saying is... They use psychedelics, therefore all this stuff is explainable as natural phenomena. No, no, no. They use psychedelics, and it 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 should. Everybody should be waking up to the reality of the move of our culture into paganism and the rise of psychedelics, and again the child murder that is abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just these things go hand in hand, and you have to be thinking and working your way through it. And you have to get ahead of Mm -hmm. it. You have to get ahead of, because the idea that is increasingly becoming mainstream is that psychedelics are actually the cure. 
mm-hmm. to all of life's problems. They're the cure to our anxiety. They're the cure to our insomnia. They're the cure to our alcoholism. Alcoholism. They're the cure to to the hatred that's in the world today. What we need is to all just sort of like chill out, take some psilocybin, have experience, encounter our dark side in the netherworld, chill out, be cool with killing the babies and everything else. And it's all, it all just sort of like goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other thing that I thought reading about Motekuzoma's terrified attempts to understand what was going to happen and to be ready to like meet Cortez and meet him as the return of the god, Quetzalcoatl, I believe. Oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's him. He's come back. Sending him this special religious armor that he had made and having his messengers dress him in it when they first arrived on the ship. Doing all these things, not knowing really what he was dealing with at all, is that, I mean, the conquistadors are the judgment of God. However much they knew that or, or not, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel still pretty ignorant of this, this period and who these people were. I'm learning more about it, but it's just, this well, is, and they this did is the everything, kingdom of Christ. They did, yeah, and they did everything. They were their own judgment. Like, yes, they, they did everything backwards, right? Oh, this, we're terrified of these Spaniards and we're terrified that they're the gods and that they're the gods coming to render judgment on us. So let's pave the streets with human blood. That's, I remember reading that specifically. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember reading a quote as I've read a few excerpts from this book, Broken Spear. There's a part where Cortez's men show up and they see the skulls and the heads and the blood and everything and they all start throwing up. And, and it's precisely because the savages have said, well, we need to prepare for them and we need to appease them. So let's do all this stuff. Yeah. And they're just horrified. We couldn't have done it. anything more horrifying and to make them more ready to just raise this city to the ground. Well, listen, I mean, here's another quote. Motekuzoma also sent captives to be sacrificed because the strangers might wish to drink their blood. The envoys sacrificed these captives in the presence of the strangers, but when the white men saw this done, they were filled with disgust and loathing. They spat on the ground or wiped away their tears or closed their eyes and shook their heads in abhorrence. They refused to eat the food that was sprinkled with blood because it reeked of it. It sickened them as if the blood had rotted. (laughs) They'd mix their chocolate with blood or with different things to make it look like like blood, right? Man. Different herbs to try to develop even like their chocolate, they would drink it. They'd drink their cocoa, but they tried to get it to emulate blood both in its consistency mm-hmm. and its color. So trying to develop diet blood, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like a vampire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so... I mean, I was reading about that in a, like, some some part of health social media was like, discover the secrets of the... And they were, like, detailing, like, the ancient recipes for making their chocolate cacao nibs into these concoctions that emulated human blood. It's like, no, the fact that wow. And this is the kind of thing that you can read about on like health and fitness, Twitter or something like that, because it's like that it's coming back to that level of detail. Well, you have to understand that vampirism is real and it's because people have always understood what goes all the way back to Genesis, which is that the blood is the life. I mean, it's, it's just true. God did make it that way. And so the perversion of that, is drinking and eating blood. I mean, it's just that simple. And that's been true of every pagan civilization. And it's why God forbid it. And it's why God... He didn't forbid it because no one was ever going to be interested in doing it. Right. 
And it's like, what's the one thing that the apostles kept in their in Acts 15 from the ceremonial law? Oh, don't don't drink the blood. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else to say about the book or no? Not not so far. What what I think is crazy. Did you guys ever have to read the narrative of the captivity of Mrs. Mary Rawlinson? It's a pretty famous account. First person account of a woman kidnapped in early America, a Puritan woman oh. kidnapped by. You know, I'm familiar with this story, but I yeah, don't I think I've it. ever read it. It's a horrifying story, right? The natives come in, they raise her town, they kill some of her children. I think they kill her husband. It's been a long time since I've had to read it, but she sees her kids die in front of her. And then she's taken captive by these savages and has to have to live with them and, and for a while. And then she is eventually is restored to Christendom and writes her tale. And the thing that drives me nuts is you'll read a story about a blue elephant and then the person who's explaining the story will be like, wasn't that a great story about a pink flamingo? And be like, I thought I was reading a story about a, a blue elephant. And they're like, yeah, but pink flamingos are what we believe in now. People will be like, man, do you see how Mary Rawlinson is just making all these assumptions about the natives? Like, yeah, she's making those assumptions because they just beat her kid to death with the rock, you know, in front of her. Like, do you see how her Christian beliefs are contaminating uh, her contamin- ability to to understand the people who murdered her family <laughs> <laughs> and inducted her into their savage chanting? And it's like, what do you guys need to understand that these people were brutal? And that's not to say that you, you could read the primary sources, the first person accounts of how brutal Americans were, or Americans, <laughs> I'm a racist, of how brutal <laughs> Europeans were, of how brutal Columbus's men were. You can read about the rape. You can read people bragging about the rape of the, like literal sexual rape of native women. You can read all that stuff. It's not that they were categorically always as bad as they could be. And we were always categorically as good as we could be. That's not true. But there was still a civilization that God had elected for destruction because of its extreme depravity. And there still was a civilization that had some belief in God and in the truth of God and in Christian warfare. And the two aren't equivalent. And you can understand that Columbus's men did terrible things and that malaria blankets are bad. Like you could, we can call out the wickedness of all this stuff. We don't have to be wooden about any of these things. Yep. There's lot, lots of bad stuff, lots of bad people. But you have to be able to distinguish between people who are doing great evil in the name of actual good and people who are doing evil in the name of evil. And history is full of both things. And, and Chesterton says it best. He says, people always say Christ couldn't be really Christ because Christ brought about the Inquisition and brought about all that stuff. And Chesterton's like, no, men are so bad that when the greatest good happens— that's when the greatest bad happens. You should expect, you should not be surprised. In fact, you should be surprised if it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. that the greatest atrocities are oftentimes connected to the greatest good because that's just how bad we were. So not, not only should you not be surprised, but you should be like, oh, of course they started the Inquisition in the name of Jesus because that's just how people are. People are really bad. But I'll tell you who's even worse is the Aztecs. I mean, they were a demonic pagan civilization and if you didn't catch it this is their account that bends mm-hmm. that this book collates yeah that's right it's not some it's white an- guy that came along and needed to do propaganda for the regime or anything like that this is them confusedly 
writing down all the things and not being able to make sense of it and not understanding why their gods, despite all of their sacrifices, have elected them for this destruction. Where mm-hmm. is the sun god? Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to say about this wonderfully edifying topic? don't think so. I do keep thinking about footage I've seen. I mean, it's been all over the place since Dobbs, but all the footage of people just saying, yes, I want to kill my baby. Like, yes, abortion is killing a baby. And I, I've killed 21 of them. You see, you see that kind of stuff. And it's why I have no patience for Louis CK or Bill Burr or any of these guys that are like, ha ha. Yeah, we know it's killing babies. Let's all have a cathartic laugh about that. Those guys are cowards and idiots and Mm -hmm. they're going to, burn on judgment day and i i just i have less patience for them actually because they figure out because yeah bill burr does feel bad about it you can tell he feels bad about it you can tell louis ck feels bad about it but the fact that they actually have a conscience about it and then figure out a way to make us all kind of uneasily laugh about it yeah is Chappelle. yeah Chappelle. i think all three he of them are the damnable thing. and mm-hmm. i hate when i see conservative christians trying to own them or trying to be happy somebody said abortion's murder everybody knows abortion's murder everybody is we're getting to the place as our culture becomes more debauched, where everybody will say that it's murder and they'll just say murder's good some of the time or much of the time when it's in service of your gods. So I have no patience for that. That's all I have to say. Anything else you guys have to say? Nope. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. thought of, I do have one more thing to say, which is go to patreon.com to support the show, be part of our Discord. You can read articles about Peruvian sacrifices early and be like, I wonder if they'll do a show about that. And you can talk with us about G.K. Chesterton's orthodoxy and all kinds of fun stuff. Good group of people on our Discord. And if you can do other things on Patreon, too. Patreon.com forward slash Sound of Sanity. Until next time. Stay sane.